Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hey parents, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. Today with just Don Manning. No Suzanne today, no kids, no guests, just me. And so ladies, before you back out, let me just tell you, this podcast is going to be about dads. We are around Father's Day, but there's something in here for you too. There's two things I want to tell you. One is there's something in here for you and there's also uh, a lot in here for your for your husband. So if you are a a wife that is listening to this, gently take this to your husband and say, Hey, um, I think you would love listening to this. Um, and, and you can tell him that I told you to come bring this to him because I think it's going to be super valuable in helping him consider, um, how to be a great dad. I just love watching dads uh, who have great connections with their kids. Um, this podcast is actually a little bit um, emotional for me because um, I just lost my older brother um, just in the last several days. Uh, he passed away. Older brother by about four and a half years. Uh, life was cut short. Um, but you know what? My brother was a great dad. And um, I've been. it's really uh, brought to light with me as I've reflected on his life. I just did his funeral last Friday. And it made me think about uh, my time left here on earth. Uh, we don't know how much time we have. His time was cut short. But one of the legacies he left was he was a great dad. Um, I was just, I've been walking through it with his, he has a son and a daughter. And you know what they told me over and over and told everybody that would listen that he was their go-to guy. He was the guy that they could talk to anything about who accepted them as they, as they are, as they were and um, somebody that they could talk to about anything in life. And I thought, wow, so today I'm going to give you some dad questions. And the first one is this, is what are you going to do to be the go-to guy for your kids? I think every dad wants to be the go-to guy for their kids. Now, it can also, both of you, it's, you know, it's not a competition between you and your, and your wife to see who's going to be the go-to person for them. They can have two, they can have more, but, but every dad wants to be a dad that their kids will come and want them, want their advice, want to talk to them about the things of life that they can have fun with and enjoy, go on trips with and whatever your interests are, um, you know, every dad, I think, wants that with their sons or with their daughters. And yet so many of us don't have that when we get to as our kids get older and maybe even when they're younger, our kids uh, maybe are fearful of us or um, they are we, we don't know how to bridge the distance that comes in those relationships. And so I want you to think about today one question or I'm mean, a series of questions. But the first one is this. What are you going to do to be the go-to guy for your kids? What are you going to do now and and in the future in order to become the go-to guy for your kids? So here's just in every, we're going to talk about it a little bit, and then I'll give you an application. Um, just a few things that come to mind um, 
to answer that question. One of them is, is just to be an example for them. They are watching you. They watch everything you do, and you don't have to be perfect. In fact, part of being a great dad is just to be willing to be humble and ask forgiveness, but but your example is so important to them, and just be that example for them. Um, show them how to do stuff, and show them what you're doing. It's not about what you say. It's so much about what you do, but, but when you talk to them, just what if you're interested in them, and you are interested not in what you want for them, but you're really wanting to know what they are interested in. I mean, for me, as a lot of it was sports with my kids. I was super interested in their sporting life. Um, but it was more than that. It might be, hey, okay, tell me about this video game again and things that maybe I'm not as interested in, but I'm interested in it because they are. It might even been, hey, you know, five-year-old daughter, tell me again about your dollhouse and all the characters in there and what did they do today? And, and here comes dad coming home from work and, wow, I'm about to fall asleep, but I know that you're interested in this, so I want to talk to you. I didn't tell him I was about to fall asleep, but in my mind, that's what I'm saying. What are you doing to be interested in your kids? Because they so value it when you're interested in the things they, maybe it's a TV show they're watching. Um, it seems irrelevant to you, but it's so important to them. Man, one of the the best things that I have learned in parenting is to avoid lecturing. I'm such a lecturer and I love to teach and I love to repeat myself over and over again. But you know, I've changed it enough to where now my kids joke with me about it. And they're like, you know, okay, dad, how many times are you going to say this to me? And it's not disrespectful. They know that I'm open to that because I have told them, I don't want to be a lecturing dad. I want to invest in them. I want to be a part of their lives without lording my authority over them or always telling them what to do. So often as dads, we, we know the answer and we really do know the answer, but it's, we, we tell them the answer before they even ask the finish answering, asking the question. And so often that leads to distance. You know, do we really like it when people have all the answers for us? And I would rather be their go-to guy by helping them come to their own conclusions than by having all the answers and pushing them away. That's just one of the things that I've learned. And, um, and so as an application with this, um, ask your kids what they want in their dad, in a dad. What, maybe if, if it's too difficult to handle it with you personally and you might get defensive, just say, hey, what do you think kids want in a dad? So you can make it generic where they maybe that makes it feel safe to them. If that doesn't work, have your spouse ask them, you know, where and she can give you the answers and say, you know, wh- what do you think, kids? What do you think? And, and again, if it's a two year old, that's probably a little tough. But you'd be surprised what a seven year old would say. Be surprised what that 12 year old would say. They they think about it. You know, I remember when I was seven, eight, nine years old, I thought a lot about what my parents did and and what and I thought about what would happen if they were gone, for example. And I remember, man, I, I literally used to it, it used to bring tears to my eyes thinking about what would happen if, if one of my parents went away because they were so important to me when I was in grade school. And um, so your kids are thinking about those things. Draw it out in them and say, hey. What would it be like? What would you what would what would be this ideal dad? What would he look like? And then you can get some vision for what that might be. Okay, wives, your turn. Your turn is this, and here's your question. It says, Wives, how do you encourage your husband 
to be a great dad? How do you encourage your husband to be a great dad? Well, one of my favorite authors is John Eldridge. And you may have heard of John Eldridge. He, he wrote the book. He's, his most famous book is Wild at Heart. He's probably written 10 or 15 books. He's got a, a blog and, you know, a ministry and men's retreats and everything else. Has changed the lives of countless numbers of, of men, including mine. And um, in his book, Wild at Heart, he starts on, you know, why some of the problems the way society and the church are interacting with men. And I want to just read a little quote to you, um, uh, wives, that, uh, that will tell us some of the things that, that are the reason why, what you can do, because really, wives, it comes down to, it's not about, you're, you're not going to help your husband necessarily. You're not going to be able to teach your husband how to be a great dad. What you're going to do is release him to be a great dad. You are going to uh, empower him and, and to create an environment within his life, which you have more control over than anyone else in his world. You're going to create an environment for him to survive, thrive, and, and be all that God has him to be. And we think it's by telling him what to do. We think it's by protecting him. We think it's by, you know, making him be into something we think. My wife used to always say that she would try to turn me into a hairy woman. She kept trying to turn me into her. And once she realized that she needed to make me into the God, into, into not make me into God, she needed to make, she needed to help me become who God wanted me to be, not who she wanted to turn me into, it totally changed her process. And John Eldridge comes in with this, um, this quote, and he talks about how the church has impacted man. He says, and then, alas, there is the church. Christianity, as it currently exists, has done damage to masculinity. When all is said and done, I think most men in the church believe that God put them on the earth to be, quote, a good boy. The problem with men, we are told, is that they don't know how to keep their promises, be spiritual leaders, talk to their wives, or raise their children. But if they try real hard, they can reach the lofty summit, sarcasm intended, of becoming, drumroll please, a nice guy. That's what we hold up as models of Christian maturity. Capitalized, really nice guys. We don't smoke, drink, or swear. That's what makes us Christian men. Now, let me ask my male readers, John says, in all your boyhood dreams growing up, did you ever dream of becoming a nice guy? Ladies, was the prince of your dreams dashing or merely nice? His point is, is that the church and many times our wives and even society wants to take the masculinity out of men, making them into, and really just stealing their heart, if you will. And he goes on to say, And thus, the heart of a man is driven into the high country, into remote places like a wounded animal looking for cover. Women know this and lament that they have no access to their man's heart. Men know it too, but are often unable to explain why their heart is missing. They know their heart is on the run, but they often do not know where to pick up the trail. The church wags its head and wonders why it can't get more men to sign up for its programs. The answer is simply this. We have not invited a man to know and live from his deep heart. 
Wives, if you want your husband to be a, an awesome dad, have him first be an awesome man and be an awesome man of God. And what that means is, is he connects with his heart. He explores life. Men, John Eldridge would say this. He said, they want a sense of adventure. They want to move. They want to conquer things. And we need to, and the more ladies, you can release them onto that adventure and to let them be who God called them to be. The better dad they're going to be. Why? Because they're going to be more confident. They're going to be more alive. So many times dads run from the household because they just don't know how to do it and their hearts deadened by life. And so they retreat and they retreat into things like alcohol. They retreat into things like hobbies and they go, they run away from the family instead of embracing it. What I'm telling you wives is you have some influence over that. You can create a culture in your home where your man can thrive more into who he's going to be rather than trying to, um, suppress that in him and to make him into that nice guy that's a model of everything. Now that that may be a little controversial, ladies. I don't know. I bet the men are going, yes, let's go. What I would say is, um, ladies, here's how you can find out whether that's true. I'm not saying I'm God's you know, voice in your head. I'm just saying these are some things I've learned. Here's an application for you I think that'll help you. Just ask your husband about his dreams. Just sit down and say, no whole, no judgment here, no nothing. Just what are your dreams? What do you want? What do you see? Well, if you could do anything, what would it be? Let's just talk about dreams. We don't have to do them. We're not talking about doing them necessarily. Let's just think about, let's just put them on the table and say, what is? what do you think God is saying in your life? What do you think God wants for your life right now? See what he says. I think you'll be surprised and encouraged as you start to unlock his heart. Okay, next question, going back to the men. Here's a question for you, men. What did your dad, what did my dad do for me? What did your dad do for you? It's great to reflect on that because, one, it gives you a sense of gratefulness. What did your dad, and we all had different, we, we all had different dads, you know, and none of us had the model dad, or not many of us did anyway, where he did everything right, was a, you know, godly Christian man, an adventurer and all the things and, you know, loved life and did everything um, perfectly. I don't know of anybody that's got that dad. But think about what your dad did for you and just let that sink into what did your dad do that was, um, that taught you things? What, do you, what can you be grateful for? What are some things that your dad did that you want to show your kids? I mean, you know, for example, uh, my dad was a very hardworking man. He showed me the value of hard work. Um, he didn't talk about it a lot. He didn't say, I work hard, so you should work hard. I mean, um, he just did it. And uh, we saw him work hard and we saw how um, how he valued that. And it, it rubbed off and, and we were both me and my brother, for example, and my sister, all three of us uh, as kids are, are hardworking adults. And we, uh, we value that, you know, he, um, he taught me the value of our, of our name that we didn't, um, we didn't do things to, um, to, um, be dishonest with people because I remember him telling me a lot. He says, you only got one name, son, you only got one name. And, um, and that name was important to him. And, you know, my name is important to me, and it's important that we have a good reputation. Um, he taught me loyalty. 
um, he's been married to my mom for over 67 years. Um, and they are so um, committed to each other and um, they love each other and they figure it out. You know, he'll tell me it's not always easy and all those things, but, but, you know, you stay the course and you're, you're loyal to your spouse and you're loyal to your family. Um, you know, I didn't really feel judged by my dad. There's a story in our book about how when, um, in our crazy cool family book, how I wrecked my Camaro when I was 17 years old and I was dreading coming home. I was riding home in the wrecker, just dreading coming home and showing my dad that I had wrecked this car that I'd so wanted to have. And so, um, (coughs) excuse me, that he, um, I drove home in the wrecker, got out of the car, uh, walked into the door, brought him out to see the car. And his response was, well, you know, you made a mistake, son. Glad you're not hurt. We can replace the car. And I just remember him saying that and going, wow, you know, um, because I was expecting all kinds of trouble. And he knew that, you know, me wrecking that car was was devastating to me because I love that car. And so he let that uh, he let the the natural consequences be the punishment and um, didn't add his judgment to it. Uh, dads, when we're not judging, that's a great thing. That, that, talk about connecting with our kids. That really helps. And so, um, but as you think about, you know, what your dad did for you, um, it brings um, motivation. It, it may be positive motivation in that I really want to be like my dad and be that for my kids. Or sometimes it's negative motivation in that I don't want to do what my dad did. I, I want to flip that. I want to take the good things he did, but I want to I want to build on that legacy. And so you can take that and see what how that speaks to you. But as far as an application, let's flip this into gratefulness and um, write a letter to your dad telling him how grateful you are. Um, powerful for you and powerful for your dad as well, even powerful to your kids, because you can involve them in it. You can say, hey, I'm writing a letter to my dad, telling him how grateful I am. What do you think I should say? So you could involve them in the process. Well, dad, he's like this, or he does this. So that's good. Okay, I'll write that in there. Or, you know, I believe he does this. And so what are you doing with that? And, And this is such a legacy builder. You're you're sitting down with your kids and you're honoring your father. You're setting an example for them of how to honor their father. So it, because, hey, I promise you, if you're if you're uh, beating your dad up all the time and saying what a what an idiot he is or what a you know, what a jerk he is, that's going to translate into how they think about you as a father. And but yet if you could involve them and just say, hey, dad, let's write a letter to dad Um then it's teaching them about the value of honoring fathers in general. So um, what did your dad do for you? And, um, and then maybe write that letter to him as gratefulness. And so um, the last question, last dad question I have is this. What if your dad wasn't there for you? What if there, you know, with all of our dads, there are things that they brought to the table and maybe things they didn't bring to the table? What do we do to round out? What do we do to learn the things that our dad didn't or couldn't teach us? Um, How do we solve that problem in our lives? Because let's face it, we all have dads that have limitations. They are imperfect people. And so um, again, there's nothing wrong with our dads in that regard. They're exactly who God meant for us to have as a dad, and they have molded and shaped us in so many ways. 
But there's also room for other men in our lives to help shape us further and to be a part of our lives. And I think there's really two ways that that happens. One of them is is through um, books. There's so many people, like, for example, I brought up John Eldridge before. I've read everything John Eldridge has written because um, I connected with him as an author. And even though I've never, I've only met him, actually, I've met him once uh, at a book signing that I went to. But, um, uh, but you know, that meeting was nothing. What I've read in his books is everything. And he's influenced my life through the written word. Um, and so, um, and there's been countless other books and authors that I have read over time. He's just one that's really influenced me. Um, but um, what about looking for books, podcasts, for um, um, uh, articles that you read um, and, and just get, getting things that are, um, it may be messages at church. You know, I, I was um, at my brother's funeral, both my, uh, there was two pastors that have been at our church. One of them um, left after being there for 17 years, and, and I'm still friends with him, great friends with him. But then a younger pastor came in and, and replaced him. And now I'm also really good friends and with, with him too. And I, I looked at both of them and I said, hey, here's a mentor number one and mentor number two. The, the first half was, was Kevin. The second half was John. And, and, um, and they both looked at me and said, oh, my goodness, we have so messed you up, haven't we? <laughs> but uh, they were joking about it. But, but um, whether it be books or fit, that's, what, that's the second part of this, is what about men you want to follow? Um, the real question becomes men, dads, um, who is discipling you? Who are you going to put in the role of father? I mean, you know, we get to choose. And so um, you get to choose who is going to disciple you, who's going to influence you. What if you chose someone that would really have an impact on your life? Um, let me finish with a story. You know, the application on this question is, is go to a man you respect and ask him to mentor you. Go to a man you respect and ask him to mentor you, to teach you the things of life. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, many, uh, many, many years ago, um, I just, I told you about the, um, the death of my brother a few days ago. Well, uh, there's been two in my life in the last two weeks. And the other one, two deaths, that is, not two brothers. But um, the other death was um, a man named John Payne. And John is a he is a, I have a great dad uh, who's helped me out a lot, a lot in life. John Payne is another, he's a spiritual father to me. But it almost didn't happen. I was over 20 years ago. I was um, in a business meeting with John and that business meeting was about to, um, it was a random intersection of two men and he was about to go his way. I was about to go mine. Uh, he wasn't in my church. I didn't know him. I just met him randomly. But something, I just thought, I need to, I need to know this guy. And so as we were leaving the business meeting, I said, hey, excuse me, uh, sir, <laughs> what's your name? John, I think. Uh, hey, would you go to lunch with me? Would you um, um, let me take you to lunch? A and he did. Um, and so at the lunch, I got to know him a little more, and I said, I got a little bolder. I said, hey, would you? I said, I know you don't know me, 
we'll probably never meet again if we leave this lunch. And would you mentor me in life? I, I just, I want to, I want to get to know you better. And, um, and if that sounds weird, it was, and, and, um, but he said yes. And so, um, and so over the next, uh, 20 something years, uh, we would just meet. And what does a mentorship look like? I mean, literally it's just, all it is, is just meeting and talking about life, talking about God, talking about life. And that's what we did literally for, um, over 20 years now, um, about four years into our relationship, um, John Payne told me that he had ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease. And um, so John has had ALS for the last, I guess, 18 years now um, until he passed away just a couple of weeks ago. And um, through that time, um, I got the advantage of just an awesome mentor because the most amazing thing happened with John is that as his, he, his physical life went, went right before he passed away, he was in a wheelchair, uh, had to have a tube breathing, not a tube in his, in his throat, but a tube in his nose, pushing air into his lungs. He was totally, um, powerless to move except for his mouth and his head. Um, but as over the years, as his physical, uh, body deteriorated, his, um, Intimacy with God increased exponentially, and he became, over time, the godliest man I've ever met. And all just because of, a, of me being willing to ask, it's the best question I've ever asked somebody, hey, would you go to lunch with me? Uh, and hey, would you mentor me? Um, I got the benefit of a, a very, very, God, the godliest man I've ever met to be able to meet with him one-on-one for over 20 years. It was maybe once a month, but maybe sometimes once every other month. But, um, but those meetings dramatically changed my life. And so the question is, is what do you do if your dad wasn't there for you? Or certainly for all of us, we have, um, our dad doesn't necessarily complete us. We have other people that can, other men that can influence our lives. And so go to a man, believe me, as someone who did it and who's somebody who it dramatically changed my life. I just encourage you to go to a man you respect and ask him to mentor you and, and see what happens. You know, it may not be a 25-year relationship like mine was with John, but I've had men come and go in my life. It's not the only man who's ever mentored me. And um, sometimes it may last six months. Sometimes it may be one meeting. Sometimes it may last a few years. Uh, you know, I've had men in my men's group for two or three years, and then they cycled out and, and others came back in or whatever. So, um, but just the questions, uh, the dad questions we've asked today, what are you going to do to be that go-to guy for your kids? And, um, you know, uh, remember just to ask your kids what they want in a dad as their application. Wives, how are you going to do to, what are you going to do to encourage your husband to be his best dad? Remember just asking him about his dreams. And then, uh, what did your dad do for you, dads? Uh, write a letter, inv invite your kids into it, and, and um, tell them how grateful you are. And then, what do you do to round out what your dad has done for you? Uh, read books, find mentors, and um, you know the application there is just to go to a man you respect and ask him to mentor you. Okay, there's your dad questions. I hope that this has been a valuable podcast for you. 
And I hope, dads, that you will explore more of what it looks like. What does God want to stir in you about being the father he wants you to be and wives? What's he doing to help you create that environment to have your husband be the best dad he can be? Thanks for listening. Go be crazy, parents. CrazyCoolFamily.com.